Hi, and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Jenna Tessa Fox, and you're listening to Broadway Radio. Be More Chill, based on the novel by Ned Bazzini, is a new musical with a score by Joe Iconis and a book by Joe Trace, directed by Stephen Brackett and choreographed by Chase Brock. The musical, about a high school student who tries to improve his social standing and get the girl by use of the sentient computer implanted in his brain, it makes a lot more sense in context, uh, premiered in 20, June 2015 at the True River Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. The original cast album was recorded the following month and then released in October 2015, and then the recording went viral and developed a very powerful cult following. The show, with the same director and choreographer and some original cast members repeating their roles, has opened off Broadway at the Pershing Square Signature Theater, where it just sold out its run. Joe Iconis, who wrote the music and lyrics for the show, is hardly a newbie to New York's theater or cabaret scene, having created book shows and concerts with his artist collective known as The Family for more than a decade. He's here today to talk about Be More Chill and the show's journey to off-Broadway. Joe, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me. So what attracted you to Vizzini's uh, novel? What moments in this book sang to you? Um, you know, the thing that initially attracted me was the uh, characters in the book. You know, I um, I definitely have a soft spot for stories about young people, uh, and specifically high school-aged people. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've written a lot of young characters before, but the, the characters in Ned Vizzini's book uh, felt so, so real uh, and so uh, complex. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a, a book that sort of deals in uh, archetypes, but what I loved was that it's, um, they're all kind of messy. You know, they're all characters who like don't too easily fit in the, the, the box of like, oh, this is the jock and oh, this is the popular girl. Everyone's kind of in between uh, in a way that was really, uh, really exciting to me. And so that was the thing that initially kind of got me interested. And then I loved having these, uh, you know, funny, real personality-filled characters um, traveling around in this world that has this huge sci-fi element to it. And that was the thing that made me feel like, oh, this, I, I know how to write this musical. I know how to talk about these, like, huge issues through teenage characters in uh, a sort of sci-fi story. Um, yeah, that was it. And was there a particular moment in the book that grabbed your attention and made you think this needs to be a musical? Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so much like one particular moment as, as I read the book, I, I immediately, um, I immediately was thinking about it in terms of, of a musical. And so I felt like there were, there were many moments that, um, felt to me like songs, you know, like the, 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 um, the moment where the show kind of turns from a sort of classic teenage story into a sci-fi story happens about like 20 minutes in, I think. Um, and that was something that was so exciting to me to have this, you know, show that if you didn't know anything about you'd be more chill, you would, you would watch it. And um, from, you know, for the first part, you think that it's just about this, you know, this like losery kid who feels like he doesn't fit in. And you think that maybe it's this like various sort of, um, you know, uh, realistic, but comedic look at, at high school. And then all of a sudden 
you know, there's someone talking about supercomputers and someone who seems possessed and it's like, it sort of intentionally crashes in. And so that the scene in the book, um, when the, our main character first finds out about the squip, which is the supercomputer, um, that was something to me that as I read it, I was like, Oh yeah, this should totally be a song in the show. Um, and this should be the first time that we're getting the sort of sci-fi element. So that was a thing. Um, you know, there's a song in the show called Michael in the bathroom that a lot of people know, and that was born out of a moment in the book. Um, and the moment in the book is a lot sort of, it doesn't take up as much weight in the, in the book as it does in the show. Uh, but that was one when I read it, I was, um, just immediately, uh, I, I immediately, uh, responded to the idea of a, a kid in a bathroom at a party, uh, who didn't want to go outside. And so that felt like, Oh, I know how to write that song, you know? So there were so many moments in the book like that for me. And what was the process of adapting the book like? Uh, and how involved was the family? The family, as far as like my 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 peeps. Yeah, sorry, the uh, the artist collective. You're uh, the family, the group that Great. does the uh, uh, the jo- yeah the, the Christmas spectacular and all the yeah, uh, all the you, events. Yeah, so the uh, the process of adapting the book was, um, you know, it it. it it was weirdly painless, you know, uh, in a lot of musical, new musical theater development, you know, it can be sort of this like, you know, massive undertaking, making a new musical. And a lot of times it's very, you know, it's just hard and it's, it feels like there's all these like mountains to, to scale and, um, and it's, you know, fraught and then, you know, you change collaborators and, everyone's upset, but for, for Be More Chill, it just kind of happened very naturally. You know, Joe Trace, uh, the book writer, and myself worked really well together. It was our first time working together. We found a rhythm immediately. And um, yeah, it's like as far as the creation of your musicals go, it was a pretty painless uh, process. And, you know, we sort of did the standard um, few like readings and workshops and stuff. We had uh, you know, a couple like table reads of the script in various stages. And um, there was definitely uh, some, uh, you know, some family members who were part of, of all of that. You know, the first ever reading we did of any part of the script was, um, uh, was I think like the first, you know, 20 pages or something. And uh, Lauren Marcus, who's in the show now, uh, was part of that reading uh, and then a few people who I work with all the time who, who didn't actually end up in the show, uh, like Lance Rubin, um, but was in it. Eric William Morris, who did the show in Two River, was in it. Um, Will Rowland uh, was, was in it. Will Rowland actually was the first person ever to read uh, the role of Michael, which George Salazar now plays in the show. Um, so, so sort of every step of the way, there's been, uh, you know, the family has been has been present in in all of it. Um, and what's cool is that they've been, you know, present in all of it, uh, through the development. And now there's so many of them who are in the actual show. (laughs) You know, I feel like it doesn't have the classic musical theater thing of like, Oh yeah, these are all the actors who, you know, developed the show. And then we're, you know, they were all just like getting it ready for Hugh Jackman or whoever (laughs) gets to do it in New York. You know, it's like they actually get to do it themselves. So that's been pretty cool. I'm now picturing Hugh Jackman as a high school student and smiling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're great. The most charismatic <laughs> high school student. The tallest, most charismatic I high know. school student of all time. 
So how did you figure out the sound for the show as a whole and then the sound for each specific character and what their music would be like? Um, I knew going in that I wanted the show to have this sort of, um, this sort of, like I keep calling it like a retro futuristic feel. You know, I knew that it was, it was computery and it dealt with technology. So I wanted it to have a kind of plugged in sound. Um, but I also really wanted to reference uh, horror and sci-fi movies of both the fifties and the the seventies and eighties. Um, Cause I felt that it kind of fit the, the vibe of the story and the characters. And so the music in the show, uh, I think generally has this, this feeling of, of being both, uh, current and um, and and uh, and and an homage to to some earlier very specific styles, uh, and a lot of that comes out in the orchestration. You know, I, I, more than any other show I think I've done or had done up up until um, Be More Chill, I thought so much about orchestration as I was actually writing. You know, and and for the longest time, you know, when you're in development with the show, you, the the music is is being played on piano um, unless, you know, you're a very fancy show and you can uh, afford to have musicians in rehearsal. <laughs> and, and we were not a fancy show. Uh, so it's just piano. And, you know, I constantly would be saying like, oh, this is going to sound really different when it's, you know, played on, this, you know, crazy, crazy 80s synthesizer sound, or this is going to sound really different when it's played on a theremin. Um, and, you know, everyone just kind of had to go with me. And so it was really amazing to like finally get Charlie Rosen's incredible orchestrations in the room. Cause it's so like changes the character and the energy of the whole thing. But, um, you know, as far as the different characters, I always write from the, the music always comes from the characters for me. And so I just sort of naturally tailor the, 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 the sound and the style of music to the specific, um, the specific characters in the show. So, I mean, in, in our show, you know, it's, um, as I said, it's like a pretty, plugged in world and there's definitely this like urgency that kind of drives all of the characters they're all like they're all pretty like anxious people you know and so the music definitely has this like jangly nervous energy to it the exception is the character of christine canicula who's sort of the i'm not sort of she is like the female lead in the show and she's someone who jeremy our lead character is um essentially obsessed with throughout the whole show uh, he has, you know, what I guess could be described as a crush on her, but I also think he's just a fan of hers. And what he responds to in her is um, she's uh, she's so uh, confident and she's so sure of herself and she's, she doesn't succumb to the pressure around her, uh, which I think musically translates into her uh, having a far more sort of laid back uh, confident in her own weirdness sound. And so the Christine stuff in the show uh, has a has kind of a sonic texture that's uh, different from everything else. You know, we used a lot of uh, instruments that are frequently associated with, uh, like, you know, elementary school music class. Like, we have multiple recorders and toy pianos. And, uh, and so because of that, Christine stuff has this very, like, strange... Uh, but kind of earthy quality to it, which really sticks out in a show where pretty much everything else sounds like, uh, you know, computers and 
and technology. And was the smartphone hour a shout out to Bye Bye Birdies, the telephone hour? I have been wondering that since I started listening to the album. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, of course. You know, I, <laughs> I I love, you know, I think every, everything about the show is, is, is has this retro futuristic thing, right? So I love that, like, in this show that, you know, feel, it's like about, it, you know, computers and technology and all of this stuff that feels so, like, now or, you know, or so, like, you know, in the future. Um, I love to hammer home the fact that at its heart, it's just like a very traditional musical comedy. And I love sort of, you know, paying homage to the things that, that came before us. And so uh, when I when I set out to write the Rich Set of Fire song, I knew I wanted to do a telephone hour style uh, number, you know, and then uh, when it kind of came time to name the song, I was like, I'm just going to, you know, go for it and be very, uh, be very tasteless in my, my titling of this number. Oh, Pay homage, I wouldn't you know? say it was tasteless. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad you appreciate it. I, I definitely did. I thought it was a nice shout out to something classic while being its own thing. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, what was the story behind the New Jersey premiere? How did that come about and how did the production grow once it had this uh, guaranteed you know, production in New Jersey, in Tom's River? Um, the production happened because Two River Theater, uh, which is a, just a fantastic theater, they actually commissioned Be More Chill originally. You know, Joe Trace and I had had the idea to write it and we both had a relationship with Two River. Um, Two River had wanted to do something with uh, both of us separately, and so when when we decided we were going to make the more challenging musical, we basically said to Two River, "Hey, we're going to embark endeavor, you know, to write this show. Would you be interested in commissioning us to write it?" And they were, and so all of the development of the show was, you know, uh, made possible by Two River, and um, yeah, and to their credit, they produced it. You know, a lot of regional theaters will develop shows and then not actually produce them for one reason or another. Um, the biggest reason being it's so stinking expensive to put on a new musical. Um, but Two River did it. And uh, yeah, and you know, the the sort of process of getting to our first production was, um, you know, it was all, all pretty, pretty painless. You know, it was the, we wrote it and the development happened and everything kind of rolled along and, um, and and the original production um, was great. You know, we uh, we were so excited going into that production, and um, we got such a great amount of uh, feedback, and there was so much positivity surrounding the show uh, at Two River. And um, yeah, it was it was the craziest thing because we all really you know hoped and kind of expected that the show would go on from Two River, that was definitely the 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 dream and kind of the expectation. And so, um, you know, up until this last year, it, it Be More Chill was kind of a, the hugest disappointment for myself and so many people that I work with because it felt really? like we had this, this, yeah, we had this really special thing at Two River and, um, you know, and, and we were so excited to see where it would take us. And then once the show closed, it was very clear that was the end of the road for it. And so, you know, Be More Chill has been this, like, you know, it feels like this this thing, like, oh, it's, you know, it's one of the ones that got away. You know, everyone was so disappointed that we weren't able to continue 
doing that show, which is why this last year has just been the most uh, remarkable, miraculous thing. I imagine. So a, a lot of regional productions don't usually get a cast recording. How did the cast recording happen? And then when it went viral, what did that feel like? I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the the cast recording happened because uh, it, it, two two things. It, the the number one thing is Two River really really believed in the show. They were really proud of the show, and you know, again, unlike some regional theaters who you know produce a show and it opens and it's not received in the way you'd like it to be received, and it's over and done with, would just sort of cut their losses and be like, oh well, you know next time but two river felt like we they they felt so proud of the show and they wanted it preserved they wanted there to be a record of this thing that we made and so they funded the cast album and separately from that uh kurt deutsch and ghostlight records who have been um shikaboom ghostlight records who have been really supportive of me and, and put out every you know piece of recorded music that i've had my whole career came to see the show and kurt was like, we just got to make an album of this. This has to happen. Um, this is too good to, to never be heard. And so um, Ghostlight and, and Two River made the album happen, you know? And we recorded it, as you said, uh, very soon after we closed. And it really felt like, uh, it felt like the sort of thing that was, uh, was more of a, um, we're going to capture this thing that we made, you know, there was no sense of like, Oh, we're going to make the album and then continue doing the show. Like it felt like a, a bittersweet kind of, you know, ending to this uh, very, you know, amazing, but disappointing experience of doing the show and knowing that it wasn't going to go forward anywhere. And so that album was released in, uh, in October. It was released on Halloween of 2015 and it, you know, it, it, people liked it a lot. Like it was definitely as well received as, as an album could be uh, for a, a musical that played for four weeks at a small theater in New Jersey. But, you know, there's only a, a, a certain number of people who are interested in cast albums of shows that played for four weeks in New Jersey. And so it didn't, the, the response to the album did not feel um, you know, remarkable in any way. It felt sort of in line with other things that I've done in my career, which is that, you know, they're, they're appreciated by a certain, uh, a certain number of, of people who care about that sort of thing. And so the album was out in the world and uh, it was in the spring of 2017. Uh, so a, a little over a year ago when I started noticing all of this, um, this attention online for the album. And it was just, you know, when it started, it was like, I was getting tagged in, in, you know, Twitter posts or Instagram posts uh, about be more chill. And, you know, as I said, I've, I've been lucky enough to have a, have a, 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 a really healthy following of, of uh, very cool, kind people. Uh, and so, you know, getting, getting some like social media love for, a song of mine or a show of mine is not unheard of. And at first I was kind of like, oh, I guess people are sort of discovering Be More Chill in the way that they, you know, discover other shows of mine, like Black Suits or that song. And I was like, great, 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 great. And then it became more and more. And then I started noticing like so many Michael in the Bathroom uh, posts and tags and all of that. And then 
you know, it was the kind of thing where I'd be texting George Salazar, who, you know, I'm obviously very close friends with, um, saying, are you like noticing all of this be more chill stuff? And he's saying, yeah, I am. Is something going on with the show? And I'm like, no, I didn't know if you were doing something. You know, Joe Trace then was experiencing the same thing. And so it all, it, it, it was just the weirdest, the weirdest thing where, you know, all of the creators of the show were wondering, you know, who was doing this, who, you know, everyone, everyone thought that someone else was like on a TV show, you know, talking about being more chill or something. And, and, and no one was. So as soon as I realized that this was a, a thing that was happening, you know, I tried to get people um, interested in, in, in what was going on, you know, and it, uh, and it was so hard to, to get anyone to take me seriously. Um, there was definitely the sense of like, Oh, some, you know, some kids on Twitter are saying nice things about your show. How cute. Or, you know, it was very much that kind of thing. And then, you know, once the album started selling and once we were like on the billboard charts after being in release for over two years, then people started being like, Hey, what's, what is this? What's going on with this? Um, and so, yeah, it's just the craziest, uh, it's the craziest thing. And it, uh, it just baffles, uh, it just baffles me that this, this happened. It truly feels like a, uh, a theater miracle, you know? And what was the process of bringing it to off-Broadway like once you knew you had the following? Um, the process was me almost uh, completely losing my mind from pretty much September <laughs> to January where I I was desperately trying to get any smart theater person uh interested in producing this show and just nobody wanted to do it. Like I, you know, we, I had this, an album that, you know, at the time I was first talking to people was, you know, streamed uh, 90 million times and it still wasn't enough to get people to, to get on board with doing the show. And so um, it, the, the person who, finally was like okay let's let's try this let's take a chance on this was uh jerry goring who's a producer who i've known for years uh and is you know a really fantastic smart kind man and uh it wasn't until you know january really that this thing came together uh and it came together really fast and and jerry you know was like listen i have so much faith in the show and who the hell knows if these, you know, crazy numbers of people who love the show and listen to the show will translate into people actually buying tickets to the show. But let's, let's see, let's just see what happens. And, um, you know, and as soon as Jerry was on board, he brought on Jennifer Ashley Tepper, who I've, you know, uh, known uh, for and have worked with for 10 years. And um, it really was, you know, it's sort of the, the, the three of us that have kind of burst this, this thing or you know who did birth this thing at the beginning um yeah and so it's just been like it's been a like a crazy race since the since we had the theater you know shored up in uh i guess february and it's just the the amount of time that 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 we've uh the amount of time that we've that we've put this show up in is so short in comparison to what it should have taken you know it's 
the kind of thing where like it was, it was just this just wasn't a thing six months ago. And um, the fact that we're running on 42nd Street now is just uh, it's just really really insane to me. But great, the so good kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what changes were made between the New Jersey production and New York City production? Um, we've made a bunch of changes. You know, there's been like tons of like little scripty things, stuff that no one would really notice. Um, and then there's been a whole bunch of, uh, of, of you know, little music changes. Uh, a couple songs have fairly substantial rewrites. And then the, the biggest change or sort of the most perceptible change is um, I wrote a new song for the end of act one for Jeremy, our lead character, uh, which is something that I've been wanting to do uh, for a while. You know, it's something that I wanted to do uh, at Two River, uh, but I kind of decided that I wanted to write a song for our lead character a little bit too late. You know, we were sort of already in performances and I would be watching the show and thinking like, man, I, I should have written another song for Jeremy. Oh, well. And so uh, I feel like I finally gotten the chance to do this thing that I had the first idea to do three years ago. Um, so that's kind of the big change. You know, that's the sort of like meat and potatoes thing that people get from from this production as far as like new stuff. Um so it's it's weird where it it definitely feels like the the same show for people who know and love the show, um, and uh, hopefully it's an even a better show uh, for you know anyone for for everyone. Um, but I think people who are just coming to the show will be uh, will be uh, you know perfectly perfectly thrilled with what <laughs> what we've done. It's been a really strange rewriting process because I've never done anything that has had such a huge following and our, you know, our following is um, they're, they're pretty rabid, the, the fans and they're, uh, they're so passionate about the show and they, they, um, they, they just love it so much and they know it so well. So every lyric I would rewrite, I would think about the, you know, 150 million streams of the album and how many people I know are like obsessed with every single word and I would think like, oh my God, am I really going to change this word? Uh, and if I do, is it going to make, you know, a hundred thousand young people just hate me? Uh, but hopefully, hopefully that, that is not the case. And everyone that I've spoken to who was a fan of the show before is really happy with all the changes. And, um, yeah, so it feels good. It's been a funny, a funny rewriting process. Yeah. And you mentioned the fans and the following, uh, the, the off-Broadway run has uh, already sold out. So how is it been yeah. to see this audience reaction? And you know, I've, I've heard that fans are coming dressed in character, like like this is Rocky Horror or Rent or something. How does it feel to have that kind of a dedicated following to something you created? Um, it's it's really really incredible. You know, it's um, it's easy to it's easy to forget that um, like the number. 150 million is actually uh it's it 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 is connected to actual people <laughs> you know i've been i've been talking about the show uh as if it's like this this product or something for so long just because that's what you have to do when you're trying to get your show produced um so to like be at the show and to actually meet the people uh who are are the the fandom um 
and are the reason that we're playing on 42nd street. Uh, it's just been, it's just been mind blowing, you know? And, and, um, when, when I first was writing the show, I, my, I endeavored to, to write a show that was about all of these huge issues, right? Like that was about anxiety and depression and, 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 you know, our mental illness and our relationship to technology and, and all of this stuff. And I wanted to do it through the lens of a, a, a ridiculous, uh, you know, teen sci-fi comedy. Um, but I always knew that at its, at its heart, you know, or just a little bit under the surface was, it was a show about big issues, it just kind of pretended not to be. And so to me, that was always, that was always, that was the intention. And that's always what I hoped audiences would get from it. And the, the bummer about the, certainly the critical response to, to the Two River production, which then, you know, affects the, the future life of the thing, uh, was that no one seemed to get that or care about that. You know, it was, the show was taken on such a surface level in a way that made me feel like, oh, I, I, maybe I didn't do my job. Maybe I didn't do the thing that I thought I was doing. And so to have these fans respond to the show like first on the deeper level, you know, like these young people, they, they connect to it in the realest, realest way. And then they get excited about the surface stuff. Then they get excited about the sci-fi stuff and like the, you know, the crazy horror elements of the show. But the thing that they respond to are the characters and are the situations. And, uh, and, and to, to see that in such a strong way is, is, is uh, just really moving. And I've had so many conversations with, with people, you know, young people, but, you know, older people as well, who, um, you know, talk to me about Michael in the bathroom and how that song has helped them. And, um, and, you know, our, our finale of voices in my head, which is sort of the whole point of the show that we all have voices in our head and that the trick is knowing which ones to listen to, um, you know, people, the people have talked to me about how much that means to them and they've, you know, gotten the words tattooed on them and, it's just, uh, it's really, it's really incredible, especially when I think about where we came from and how, you know, three years ago, I thought that the show was done for and that, you know, I was never going to see it on a stage again. And, and now it's, um, now it's this, this thing, this event. Um, and, you know, and for me, like the, the part of the fan base that I love so much is uh, they, these, these, these kids make so much art based on our show and the idea that people are creating um, pieces of art based on something that came out of my brain is uh, is just nuts to me. I love it so much. I think it's the coolest thing. Yeah, I've seen some of those videos on YouTube. They're amazing. And clearly the yeah. kids are taking time to create these things. They're as passionate about it, I imagine, as you and the creative team have been, which is just yeah. wonderful to see. Yeah. It's really delightful. And uh, one thing that really intrigues me, the show has really seemed to catch on, as you said, with uh, students and high school students, college kids, in spite of or maybe because of some decidedly adult elements. There's sex, there's drug use, uh, mm-hmm. cursing. Um, <laughs> do you consider this, though, I mean, considering its message and how clearly it speaks to the younger demographic, do you consider this to be a family show? Um. I do. Yeah. I think it's probably a cool family. <laughs> it's a family that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's all right with all the stuff that you said, but, but I do, you know, I think that it, it, even with the, you know, the, the, the more adult contents that we have, uh, the show has such a big heart and it really is about 
inclusiveness and it's about uh, being okay with uh, feeling different. You know, our, um, our, our cast is such an incredible collection of uh, strange people and it's an incredible collection of people who normally would not get to play the role that they're playing in the show, like across the board. And that's something that I think um, is really, is really important for a certain type of young person to see. And it's something that uh, I think has, has not been lost on the people who have come to see, to see our show, that it's, uh, it's not just the characters in the show, but like the literal human beings who are on stage performing it are people um, who, you know, it's, it's who are, uh, who are different, you know, in, in all, all different ways. And, and um, you know, the, the word diverse gets thrown around so much um, but we have a cast that is truly diverse, like in every in every way. You know, it's a cast that has it's 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 uh, you know ethnic diversity and body diversity and just it's just a, a collection of people who look like real people. You know, and so I think that that's something that to me um, makes it you know makes it <laughs> a family show uh, in in the hugest way. You know, it's like it and and it's uh, yeah yeah. I'm just rambling now. That was a babbling answer. <laughs> no, not at all. No, that's great. And obviously that's you know hugely important. You're right. Diversity is a catchphrase turned around, uh, thrown around, I mean. But you know to actually see it put into play, that's fantastic and yeah. hugely important. Absolutely. So what is next for the show? Uh, any chance of an extension? And what is next for you? What other projects are you working on going forward? Yeah. Um, you know, we... Uh, we sadly can't really extend uh, because the signature, um, you know, is the signature theater company. And, and once September hits, they have their own shows that they have to do. So um, they got to kick us the hell out. Uh, so extending it to signature is not really an option, um, but we'll see, you know, uh, the, the journey of Beamer Chill has surprised me uh, in the hugest ways. And I think that it will hopefully continue to surprise me and everyone else associated with it. So, I think we're just, you know, laying low for right now and then figuring out what, uh, what comes next. And hopefully that will, uh, that will present itself. Uh, the thing that I'm, I'm really hoping for at Beamer Chill is a, uh, is a theme park. I think that not enough shows have their sights set on, um, turning, uh, turning themselves into, uh, amusement park attractions. And so that's Absolutely. what I'm really hoping will happen. Yeah. With, that was, uh, you know, I could see this. Yeah. Beamer Chill Log that's Flume. Great. Carousel, I think, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Carousel, the musical, uh, would have been the no-brainer to, Absolutely. to go the amusement park route. It's, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein were smart, but not that smart, apparently. Uh, they didn't know marketing. Much... That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, precisely. Um, so, yeah, so and... who knows what will happen. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to keep a straight face, and I just failed spectacularly. Yeah, so clearly <laughs> no, you need to have it set up in like Red Bank, New Jersey, and and yeah, that's perfect place yeah. for the uh, theme park. That works. Oh I like this. Of course, yeah, I think it's a great, yeah. it's a great idea. You know, um, so yeah, oh so God, that's what's gonna happen. New Jersey scene. I love this idea. Let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what's gonna happen with Beamer Chill. And then I, I'm working on a million projects. I have so many things going on. Uh, I, the, 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 so a few of the biggies are, um, 
you know, I have this new musical called Love and Hate Nation that we did a uh, we did a, a, a production of at Penn State University who commissioned the show. Uh, we did a production of it in February, and I'm really, really proud of that one. It's a love story between two girls set in a juvie hall for girls in 1962. And it's, uh, it's about America then and America now. And uh, the whole thing is a uh, cast of women with one token dude. And uh, it has a sort of like 60s girl group rock and roll score uh, that I like a lot. And so I'm hoping that that thing finds its way to a stage uh, very soon. So I got that. I got this Hunter S. Thompson musical that I've been working on for a long time that's going to be at La Jolla Playhouse, uh, hopefully sometime in the near future. Um, and I'm trying to get uh, Broadway Bounty Hunter, which is the, the musical uh, that I wrote for Annie Golden uh, that we did at yes. Barrington Stage Company two years ago. Um, trying to get right. that thing on a, on a stage, uh, hopefully in New York uh, soon. So those are, those are just a few of the things. Only a handful, yeah. So much. I try so, to keep busy, you know. Good. Oh, we're grateful for that. <laughs> so, Seymour Chill has already sold out its run at the Pershing Square Signature Center, but you can get rush tickets through Today Ticks or cancellation tickets one hour before showtime, Joe. Is that how it works? One hour or two hours? Um, yeah, one hour. One hour before the show. One you hour. Show up there. Demand to be put on a waiting list. Uh, Demand, and yes, see what happens. But- Yes, that always goes well, making demands of the box office staff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can that possibly backfire? So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your story. And break of lots of legs with uh, the rest the rest of the run and hopefully all the future productions of the show and the next shows. Uh, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.